Welcome to the Geek to Geek Podcast, where it's a snow day. Here it is. Anyway, I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. And it's not snowing in Alabama. Yeah. No, Ever. it snows here a lot, but it's... I was, so I was telling you this before the podcast. We don't actually get snow days in Minnesota a whole lot because we have the infrastructure to deal with it. So the fact that my kid's school got canceled today and I'm home, which, hey, I'll take the extra day, whatever. I'll use a day of PTO and make a long weekend out of it. But it's just insane because my whole K through 12, I think I had like two snow days, maybe, in all of that time. And that's just crazy to me because, like, down here without the infrastructure for it, we get snow days all the time. Like, they will take it at the threat just to be able to use those days because they're built into the calendar. Yeah, and, I mean, we had a day, like, last week that we got, like, six to eight inches of snow, and they're like, yeah, whatever. I mean, we just kind of go on with our day because, again, we have the infrastructure. Anyway, sorry, that's a tangent because it's very rare to have a snow day in Minnesota, and I'm kind of enjoying it. Um. So we're recording early, which is pretty cool. So today we want to talk about game beginnings. And there was this article from Rock, Paper, Shotgun that kind of got me thinking about this. And it was called Let Us Play. And it was basically (laughs) just talking about how so many games these days have these long intros before you actually get to the meat of the game. So that's kind of what we want to talk about. And I don't think it's a super long topic, but I did want to bring it up and just talk it through with you. Yeah. And this is something that I've actually thought of that when you showed me this article, I was like, oh my goodness, yes, I've been complaining about this to myself for the last couple of months, at least since Christmas, because I get really frustrated when I have a limited amount of time and I want to start a new game and my time is completely taken up by sitting and watching an intro where it's not even an interactive tutorial it is just me sitting there and they won't let me skip any of these cutscenes or what or just scrolling text just anything and I, I can't play the game when I want to and it's really frustrating for me yeah well once I started thinking about it I think there's kind of two categories here and one is like the never-ending tutorial which is its own kind of horrible intro and then there's the other one that's just this big exposition dump that you just have to wait through and yeah. they're both bad in their own unique ways you know what i mean yeah where like i, I see in yours just to you know skip ahead just to talk about this like the kingdom heart series is really bad about those interactive tutorials it's so where you bad. can't get into the meat of the game for a while because you have to learn how to swing your sword which one of my favorite things about birth by sleep was because you go through the game three times it lets you skip that particular part if you've already played through the at least one of the other one of the other storylines so i like that part about where it makes it better because of the structure of the game itself yeah i mean the that's why i haven't been able to get back into kingdom hearts when i've tried to go back to it every time i pick up any of those games it has such a long tutorial that i never even finish because i'm just like okay i i didn't need any of this and now i'm like half an hour 45 minutes an hour in and it's still trying to teach me the basics and i'm just so bored at that point and i mean you know, Kingdom Hearts 2 is really bad about Kingdom that. Heart, yeah, I would say all of the Kingdom Hearts series is bad at that. But even games that I love, like I'm not afraid to say that some of them fall into this category. Like Persona right. 5 is really bad for in both of these ways. Not only is it super exposition heavy, it also has gameplay mechanics and tutorials that stretch out for a really long time um it's Uh, not as bad as persona 4 which again is still probably one of my favorite games of all time persona 4 i think is legitimately mm -hmm. like multiple hours at the beginning where all it is is hitting the x button to like get through the story yep and you don't even get into battles until even further than that when you start getting to control your character where you you have to go through a lot more of the story before you get to the the true gameplay mechanics yeah and at least five is better about that part five gets you into battle and kind of gets you 
it, it, it onboards you better, even though it is still kind of like a long, slow ramp up. But five is better than yeah. four in that regard. But I mean, so I was thinking about the games that fall into these categories. And actually, the exposition dump, I feel like some of the games most guilty of it are the biggest budget AAA games because they really want to show you all the effort they put into their world and their cutscenes. Yeah. And it's like, Every time I play a Call of Duty game, it feels like that <laughs> at the beginning. Like, let me just get into it. Let me just yeah. play a little bit. Um, even Final Fantasy XV, which you and I both thought was fantastic. Like, we loved that game. Yeah. It has a long intro that's just like, okay, let's it talk does. about the car and we're moving and where are we coming from. And it, it doesn't really get you into it very fast, even though I love that game. It has a slow intro. And- and I like part of that intro. I really like the stand by me part where the music is playing and they're driving. And it just seems like everything around that felt extraneous because for me, that part of it was emotional. And I could see why they do it, given the themes of the game. But the, you know, the way it starts out with you kind of have a fight and you kind of don't and you're watching it. And then you're right. It's way too long. And when I started the mobile version of it, it, it felt like even longer to me because I'd already played it and seen it. And it was such a scene for scene recreation that it felt just way too long, especially for a mobile game. Yeah, yeah, that one was it was bad. And then you had to do the weird download thing after you finished the intro before yep. you even do gameplay. It was not a good experience. Well, and like um, no. I was thinking, too, of. I was trying to think like last fall, what games didn't click with me that a lot of other people were playing that were more bigger budget ones. And Prey came to mind because I've heard people gush over Prey, but I couldn't get past the first hour because I was so bored. And I did get to the gameplay, but it's like, I think there was a good half hour, maybe 45 minutes of just kind of like leading up to the gameplay. And that Hmm. really soured my experience because I just wasn't invested in the world. And some of these huh. things are kind of different when you come back to them. If you're replaying a game that you love that has a long, drawn-out intro, you kind of enjoy it a lot more the second time because you're already invested. It's that right. first time where you're like, come on, just get there. Get to the g- – give me something to latch onto, you know? And I didn't feel that way about Prey. And it may have been because I was in such a, a mindset of wanting to play it that I was like, okay, let me see what this world is because that was specifically what I was looking for at the time. And I never thought it was overly long because it was interactive in a way that it was because of the nature of those Bioshock, System Shock, Prey games where you were interacting with the world and learning about it at the same time where I was moving around and kind of exploring. So I see exactly what you're talking talking about it is long before you really get into the gameplay of it but it was kind of a leading through it rather than having to just sit and do it yeah well and one of the other ones that i think is probably worth mentioning for me is um zelda just the whole (sighs) yeah i know right like this was when i went back and i tried to play through the zelda games again i realized how bad the 3d zelda games in particular are about tutorials until breath of the wild and maybe that's why i like breath of the wild so much is it just lets you go but yeah all of the earlier 3d ones are like never-ending tutorials and it just takes forever to get into any part of the game that's actually interesting so i bounced off of them one after another and some are more guilty of it Right. Some of them are a lot more guilty of it than other ones. I could handle Ocarina of Time the first time that I played it 
it's still very long now. And then Wind Waker, I think, is the second worst of it because I don't like the island area that you start out on. And getting off of it and into the main part of the game without just having to, to run around and like wake up grandma or something, I was really like, oh my God, keep on, keep on going. But Twilight Princess is by far the worst. Twilight Princess takes forever. And I've never really gotten past, I mean, I've talked to you about the Monkey Dungeon before, but where I don't like the monkey dungeon but it's that entire section leading up to that as well it never feels like gameplay it feels like an extended tutorial that has no bearing on anything else really it's just i don't know i i hate the opening of twilight princess more than any of the other zelda games no i agree with you twilight princess is the worst and then the second worst i would argue is probably skyward sword but i think it it you're uh, kind of played it your mileage may vary on that one. Oh, if you had played it, I think you would agree with me. Skyward okay, Sword is yeah. really, really bad in that regard. Yeah, that was one that I avoided specifically because of the motion controls that I heard were in it, that I wanted to play it. But when I saw that it was trying to do one-to-one motion on the Wii with the Motion Plus, I just I just watched a couple of videos of it and, and Let's Play and haven't even gone back. Yeah. what You had a couple other ones in here, too, that you wanted to hit on, right? Uh, Yeah, like... I, <laughs> Over the over Christmas break, I uh, gameflied Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, and it was so long that I just wanted to try it. And it was one of them that you couldn't skip. It's a, a real time, not a real time, a turn based strategy game where your Mario characters mixed with Rabbids, and I don't care about the story, but they had an unskippable story uh, cinematic that was about five or ten minutes long. It may have been longer than that before it even let you in. Then there was another one after you walked a few steps, and I just sat there. I was like, this is not going to be a game for me. And I kept trying to, to do everything I could to skip it, and it just would not skip. And it put such a bad taste in my mouth that I didn't really like the game anyway, that Jennifer and I tried it on multiplayer and single player, and it just didn't click. But part of it was that I didn't even want to give it a shot because it was so overly produced at the beginning that they tried to make it interesting and tried to to explain the reason that they were doing this mashup and no one cares no one cares about why you're doing this mashup just give mario his gun put some weird faces on the princess and luigi and let's just you know let us play the game you don't have to explain that away no i i agree that was a that was not a good intro for that game well and you have monster hunter world here too which is i see monster hunter world it caught me up on the character creator and maybe that's something worth mentioning is that like i actually hate character creators because they happen before any of the gameplay and mm. they can take hours of time if you actually want to get into it i'm one of those people who will actually uh. a lot of the time i will just take the default because i want to get into the game and i know yeah. that's like heresy to some people but i want to get into the world and get into the game and experience it i don't want to spend an hour two hours of my time tweaking my character and a lot of the time I'll spend like five minutes making my character and I'll just be like, whatever, broad strokes, that's good enough and move on with my time. But besides that, I didn't actually mind Monster Hunter World's intro. It it really bugged me because I don't like uh, character creation any more than you do. I actually may like it less than you do because I, I was actually commenting on a blog this morning, uh, BioBreak uh, with Sip. He had posted that Sea of Thieves didn't let you have any kind of sliders like they're bragging about how it's just randomized character creation. And I 
I don't care about that because usually I click randomize until I see one that looks cool. And then I basically just uh, just change the hair color, maybe eye color or something like that. And generally even that is just extraneous for me. And I... I hated it in Monster Hunter World. I hated this intro because, A, I didn't know anything about the world. B, I didn't care anything about the world. And they're talking about, like, they're on this ship. They're they're doing everything. And they're, they have this almost, I don't even know what the correct term is, but it's kind of overwritten, uh stereotypical uh, mercenaries on a ship getting to know each other and then there's that formulaic oh and this is what you look like I didn't recognize you and then you get into the character creator and I'm just like just just let me have done this first where it just getting to the actual world felt like it took forever and then with the event that leads into the island it felt like I don't like those kinds of events. I want to just start the game and then have the event like go on after being able to move my character around some. I don't know why. Just for some reason, that one just hit me wrong. That's funny. I felt like the intro was super long when I played through it, too. And a lot of that might have been the character creator and like the overwriting, overacting like you're talking about. But then when my daughter started playing the game after I had finished it, um, I watched her do the intro process. And if you cut out that character creation, which honestly, that's where a lot of the time sync can happen. Um, if you just look at the intro, it's only like 10 minutes from like start until you get to care- controlling your character. It's not horrible. But I felt like it was a lot longer when I did it too, yeah. which is probably what you're feeling. Yeah, it is. Because I feel like getting to the point where I got to the town specifically really took forever. And I mean, when you get to the island and, or the new world or whatever it is, I want to say it's an island. Um all the time but getting to that and then once i got to the town i didn't feel like i actually got into the game until after you have to follow the npc around town i hate it when a game makes me follow an npc around town to show me where everything is because i can run around town i can talk to an uh to all of the npcs i've played video games before you don't have to tell me and this is your room, and here's where you buy food. Oh, here's where you can make your armor. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. It's called a smith. That's that's kind of normal. Where right. it really, like, I, that felt almost as trudging to me as anything else in a game is. Where that's just a kind of a nitpick of mine, though. Where I have to follow this really slow NPC walking and to teach you how to run, too. Like, they're like, and now we can run. And it's like, hold this button. I'm like, good, this is the worst. Well, a lot of like JRPGs, I think, fall into the trap of like really slow. They have to introduce you to everything because they're afraid you're going to miss a system. And Monster Hunter World isn't a JRPG, but there are some elements of having too complex of a system. So they really have to hold your hand. And I think that's kind of having an effect. But yeah, I mean, I, I made a note here that like a lot as much as I like JRPGs, a lot of them fall into the trap of having these super long intros. And you called out another Final Fantasy also, didn't you? Final Final Fantasy Fantasy 12. Yeah, Final Fantasy XII feels like it's super long, that both times, I've started it, I think, three times, and I remember the last two. I don't remember the very first time I loaded it up, but when it was brand new, but the last two times I've tried to go back and play it, it felt super long, as far as an intro goes, because they they were trying to set up so much in Ivalice, and there was this uh, narrator that I was talking about uh, back when we did our Final Fantasy episodes that was 
was this very high fantasy uh, narration style, and that made it feel, if it actually is that long, made it feel very long until I got into the gameplay and was introduced to Vaughn and some of the other characters. And um, I don't know if Zodiac Age is any better about that, because they changed so many like systems. I wasn't sure how getting into the newer version of it, if it got in any quicker, or if you could skip through some of that if you wanted to. But I know the PS2 version, I couldn't. Yeah, I mean, it has a prologue that's pretty quick paced. But then after you get beyond that prologue, and I don't know about the Zodiac Age, I'm just talking about uh, Final Fantasy 12 in general. I like that prologue section because it kind of gets you into it right away. But then as soon as you pull out, out from that prologue and you get to the actual main characters and stuff, it slows so much down. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you there. So and then I think it was Iconoclast that I'd played recently. I actually did a Steam return on this one because I wanted to play it. It looked really cool. You sent me a message about it. And I know I talked about it in my geekery one week where I was like, I, I just don't want to use this wrench so much. I know it's going to get better. But part of the reason that I did didn't push on through it was because the gameplay would stop and they were trying to have like entire cutscenes worth of story in it and that broke up the platforming this kind of fast-paced jumping and shooting uh unlocking puzzles platforming where with these long story breaks that were not voiced and you just had to go through all of these kind of old school like it's trying to be these old school dialogue bubbles and hit the button every time and it didn't really have any lead up to them it didn't really like they felt completely i don't even want to say unearned they just felt like placeholders still and uh at the point in that at that point in the game i just like okay if this is where the game is going count me out and went and got my my steam refund yeah it may have yeah. gotten better after that for as far as those but with talking about the beginning of it it didn't let me play and i was I just felt like that's not a good introduction to the game if it continues this way. Yeah. So to not end on a down note, let's talk a little bit about like what we do like, what we are looking forward to and or what we are looking for. Um, right. So, I mean, I think we, we don't actually mind an intro as long as it's short, it's to the point and it gets you into the game. And then sometimes it's nice to have zero intro and just be thrown into the gameplay. Yep. So I didn't actually like think through the section and write a bunch of examples. But off the top of my head, like arca arcade style games are really, really good about this. Um, even yeah. something like super hot where it just like throws you in it and you're just like. You just start, and you're kind of in the game. But uh, everything that's kind of arcadey, um, a lot of iPhone and like mobile games, um, right. anything in that vein, because it's literally just the gameplay. But beyond that, you had written down Bioshock, which I think that is a really good example of like a triple A version of doing this well. Yeah, and it's and and it maybe I haven't played the first one in a very long time, but that's the one I'm thinking of. Where what I remember about it is there's a very quick sequence where you're in an airplane, you crash, then you're in the water, and you go into this lighthouse, you go up the stairs. There's all of this uh, stuff. You go in, you go down the stairs, and the entire time that you're moving, it's giving you the story that you need it's giving you the introduction to the characters and the abilities and the world but you're 
you are from the very beginning actively moving through it as opposed to watching it. And for me, that changed a lot uh, as how I was immersed in the world. I remember back in the day, one of the first games that did it, I think, was Doom 3, that I was just enamored by this because it was one of those first games where they wanted to tell the story as you moved through instead of using cutscenes. And you would pick up these these audio journals. You would pick up the logs by the, the other space marines when the demons had come through and you listened to the story that was going uh, going on as you killed the monsters sometimes. And Bioshock really took that to the next level, I think. And I loved how they were introduced like that because you really do get thrown in immediately, but it's not an overwhelming getting thrown in where you're going to die immediately. It's getting thrown in. We're like, okay, I'm in this world. Now let's do this. Yeah, no, I think that that's a really good example to end on too is just do that you know give us more control out of the beginning and even when you do have an intro make it shorter because i think the whole time from like the when you start the game until you have like control and you're actively doing stuff in bioshock is very very minimal super short cool um okay well that's probably for the main topic let's talk about our network uh i don't know what anybody's episode is this week (laughs) because it's a snow day and we're recording super early for us this week but check out tea time with katie and chelsea they always have cool topics geekitude with joe hogan he always has good interviews and good topics and then the comic box with rob he usually talks comics he's been talking black panther lately i don't know what he's doing this week i don't know what anyone's doing this week but i will listen when they come out and i will find out that's time for a weekly geekery i suppose you don't have a whole lot right so why don't you go first i don't have a whole lot uh this week my uh my wife and I had our 10-year anniversary of our first date. And uh, so we went out and we did the whole really nerdy, geeky thing, of a little sappy thing of uh, recreating our first date, where what we had done, because we're both like not good at dating, and uh, like we went to Olive Garden, then we went and walked around a bookstore, and then we went and saw a movie, because we were so nervous and just kind of being like, eh with each other and so we went and did did that again and uh we went around the bookstore and it was super fun just seeing all of these things and she got really excited because they had a mrs incredible uh funko pop or funko rock candy figure that just looks awesome and so i've never really liked any of those and so she was she was like gasped like ah and like i was like what is it and she like it was this mrs incredible uh which she still like it's a last girl and jennifer's like oh they put mrs incredible on it but we did that and then we went and saw game night and i wanted to really talk about game night because this is one of those really silly movies that turned out to be really funny and really good to see that it's not meaningful cinema at all but it's just fun to watch that pretty much everything about it is hilarious that uh, if you like i don't know have you ever seen the movie date night with tina fey and steve carell that's one of our favorite movies because it is just pure fluff that is fun to watch where it it, and that's what game night is too where we really liked it with this couple who uh is like ultra competitive and they host a lot of game nights with their friends and it's it's just good like somebody does a murder mystery and there's an actual kidnapping and that's all in the trailers so it's it's really cool and then uh so the night was fun like that on our first date we always uh we actually got into an argument one of those nerd arguments of who would win in a fight batman or superman and so we didn't do that this time so it kind of we, we we avoided that and uh because i like superman a lot more than i used to i'm kind of tired of batman so and somebody's gonna skewer me online because of saying that and uh we've been watching queer eye 
uh, the new one on on uh, Netflix. Uh, it's really good. Like I didn't watch the original one, but I really, really like this uh, new one. We've got a couple episodes in and I like reality shows that uh, are about people and positivity, and that's what this is. That this is not one of those reality shows where you, uh, like everybody's yelling at each other. It's like these five people who want to come in and they're helping somebody, and everybody's just friends. And it, it is just uplifting, and I love that part of it. Like, I, you know how much I love positive uh, television. So yeah. I'm... I'm Really, I really like this because it's handled in such a way. It's not trying to get across any kind of politicized message or anything at all. It's just like, let's make these people's lives better. And so that's all it is. And I love that about it. And then we found, uh, did you ever watch The Soup on E? No, I have no idea what that is. Okay, it's a it is a clip show where Joel McHale uh, was uh, the host for a long time. Like it was Talk Soup for a while, then it was The Soup, and then they changed hosts. But the one I know and I started watching was called Joel, was with Joel McHale, and it was taking the most absurd clips from television that week and showing them, and then making jokes about them. And uh, like there are some really funny things that you would miss on TV and called out of context that are just hilarious. And so. There's a new one on Netflix. It's a, a a Netflix show called The Joel McHale Show with Joel McHale, and it's uh, it's just the soup. That's all it is. It is the exact same show, but it's a Netflix original. And so Jennifer and I have started watching it, and it is exactly the soup. If you watched it, then y'all should watch the Joel McHale Show. The Joel McHale Show with Joel McHale. It's very hard to say, and okay. we just call it the soup. Um, but it's really good. And we're really excited that Jessica Jones is coming out this week. Uh, it comes out, I think, on Wednesday, maybe. But we're super oh, yeah, excited that season that two soon. is coming out. And we want to rewatch season one before it. So we'll get to it, but I doubt we'll watch it immediately. But I am super excited. I'm geeking out about it coming out. I just don't know when I'm going to be able to get to it. Sweet. So cool. That's pretty much my week. I did finish up the Words of Radiance. So I'm really excited about that. It really was like a whole new book, especially as I went to the end of it and started Oathbringer, the Brandon Sanders books and I know I've been texting you about it and this is one that I can't stop reading that because I'm reading on a Kindle on my phone it is every every like free moment that I have I've got my Kindle app open reading part of it because I'm completely enamored by it so far so I'm very happy with where it's going that means we can talk words of radiance or uh, Oathbringer uh -huh. soon which is gonna yes, be good soon I'm glad soon um cool I did a bunch this week some of this I might have to high level <laughs> for time but I don't think I've ever mentioned like I'm slowly moving towards the smart house, but very, very slowly because I knew that. But I don't know if other people knew that. OK, because the technology is kind of there, but it's not all right. the way there yet. Um, have you done anything with smart home stuff? No, that is something I care zero about that. I just don't feel the need or desire for it where it's not even a uh, it's not that I think they're bad. It's that I just like eh. So, okay, I, I kind of felt the same way. Um, so I waited for the technology to get better. And then the one thing that we kept running into was like the lights in our living room were really annoying because we wanted, usually if we're in the living room, we want like 
all of the lights on because of yeah. we have a big open space, right? So like our living room, our kitchen, our dining room are basically like one big open area. We have, you know, a house with just that open floor space plan type yep. of thing because that's what we like. I mean, that's what we wanted in a house. And it's great. But the thing is, like, you kind of need more lights on when you're in an area just to light it up. Otherwise, it feels dark. So, you know, right. we would have to go and turn on this one that's above my desk. We'd have to go turn on this new one that we have in the corner. And then we had like one on a side table. So I've slowly been switching those over to smart outlets instead of smart bulbs because smart bulbs are, there's a lot of options you can do with them, but they're super expensive. And when I looked at the options, I was like, when would I ever want to turn my lights red or like dim them down to half power? Like, I just don't need that. I either want the light on or off. And that was like the little bit of functionality that I was looking for. So this is the week that I finally finished. Like I I did one Mm. light and we tried it and we kind of liked it. And then I did two lights and I figured out how to group them. And I was like, okay, let's do all three of the main lights we use. So this week was finally like finishing that off. So our whole living room is like smart lights now. And we love it. We love to be able to just like call out to the, well, if I say it, it's going to trigger a bunch of people. It's the Amazon thing. That's a smart (laughs) home. Um, And just tell it which light we want on, or you can say living room on and they'll all flip on or they'll all flip off. So that's huge. I mean, the other thing is too, you can like leave them on. And then as you're going to like walk up the stairs for the night, you can just call back and be like living room off and it'll just shut everything down for you. So I like it a lot. Um, and I've thought about getting some of the smart light bulbs, but for a completely different reason, because of doing the live streaming and video stuff for work, I've thought about getting them because I want colored lights behind me as highlights. One of my coworkers has those for all of his, and they look fantastic the way that he has his office set up. So I would love to have like a low blue light or low green light or something as actual highlights around behind me where the it's like the Philips Hue, I think, is the one that he uses, but they're super expensive. So I didn't want to I don't want to pay for that set. No, the bulbs are really expensive. And then one of the other things that's annoying once I researched it is that a lot of those smart lights, if it, if you're getting the bulb instead of the switch, because I went with all right. switches because I could hook them directly into Amazon's ecosystem. Um, right. A lot of the like bulbs themselves, you have to have a hub somewhere in your house that communicates oh. with them and acts as a bridge in between systems. And it just gets messy and stupid. And I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, the technology is not quite all there yet. But for just having an outlet, it, it's working great. Just turn awesome a set of lights all on and off together at the same time without ever having to touch them. It's been cool. So I just wanted to bring that up, even though that's been kind of like in the background for the last month or so as I've been playing with it. Um, I also did gloomhaven finally it's fun it's really fun but i i haven't played enough of gloomhaven to actually weigh in on the game yet like we did one full round my daughter and i okay so what i wanted to talk about was we did i got the organization system right like the inserts for it and we i took like an hour and a half to assemble the inserts one day they're made of like wood and then um my daughter and i took probably two hours together to punch out every single piece of punch board and figure out where it goes in the organization system and it was like three hours of work so that every time we play gloomhaven now it's way less set up like we can set up fast in comparison okay. so we played the first round of the first game and we both liked it a lot. It was just that we're still getting our head around the rules. So it was a lot of, okay, well, hang on, let me check the rule book, that kind of thing. You know, mm, that usually happens yeah. for the first session or two. So I probably need three or four sessions total before I can weigh in on the game itself. But my initial impressions are that I really like it. I'm really happy with the insert that we bought and the storage system that we landed on. And my daughter and I are enjoying it. It's a really fun game that we're playing together. 
so far. So I'll come back around to it once I have more actual gameplay thoughts. Yeah, that's actually one of the reasons that I don't get a lot into to board games. And, and it's partly, you know, we've talked about how there's not a group around here that I, I can really game with. But part of it's also the organization that comes with it, the setup time, and then the rules that uh, so many board games have so many different rules that you have to constantly check that uh, that's one of the reasons I like video games so much is that that kind of thing is handled for you, that those those kinds of uh, really, really complicated board games like Gloomhaven don't appeal to me to learn those kinds of, of just completely intricate systems. And you're a systems guy, so I totally understand that. No, no, I hate reading rule books, actually. It sucks. Really? That's my least favorite part of the entire hobby. I mean, the main thing that's made a difference in the last, like, three years here is that major board game publishers are finally learning to just make YouTube videos to explain the rules. So yeah. I don't read rule books anymore. I watch the 20-minute... Well, this is a super intricate game. So there's, like, a 20-minute video to teach you the rules. A lot of other games that I've picked up are, like, five-minute videos, start to finish. Okay. They're really, really quick. And then I just use the rule book as a reference. So it's, like... I have the broad strokes. I understand most of it. It's once you get into the nitty gritty of, wait, how many things do we start with again? Or what okay. happens when I do this one thing? You know, then the rule book becomes a quick reference. But I never try to learn a board game out of a rule book anymore because that way it just it sucks. It's not fun. Yeah, it's really not. Yeah. Um, I finished Star Trek Discovery season one and okay. it was all right. It was all right. It was mm-hmm. <laughs> I went through like. I really liked it, and then it changed, and I thought it was okay, and then there were some cool episodes in the middle that got me excited, and then some of the things they did jumped the shark, and that that lasted for, like, way too long, and then it kind of came back around at the end, and I don't know how I feel about it. I think I feel pretty much like it was all right, and I would probably give season two a second shot, but it's not something that... I want everybody to go out and watch because it gets amazing. You know, it's not that kind of show. It's just like, oh, I watched it. I'm kind of glad I watched it. It was all right. Um, I feel (laughs) like I would have enjoyed it a lot more if they had just released it all at once like Netflix does. The fact that I had to keep remembering to go back and get more episodes and watch them like that actually dramatically affected how much I like this show because I couldn't binge it. And when you go out of your way to like watch an episode one week and you only have one new episode and it's not a good one, that's a mm-hmm. horrible feeling. So it is. that would happen and then I wouldn't watch for a couple weeks and then I would have three or four to watch and I would enjoy that a lot more. So that's kind of what I ended up doing is I would just wait and then I would watch them as a group. But in the end, I mean, it's it's all right. I hope they do something more interesting with season two if they get a season two. I think it got renewed. Do you have any idea? I don't know. I haven't really kept up with anything about it other than just general impressions when I see people talking a little bit about it online that I don't I haven't watched it. And this is one that I still haven't cared enough to really watch and pick up at all. So eventually I'll do what you said, and just binge it now that season one is over whenever I get into a Star Trek mood. Yeah, just whenever you get into the mood, don't go out of your way to I mean, I guess that's the way I feel. Don't go out of your way to watch this one. But if you get around to it, it's all right. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I just want to mention it because I finally finished it. And I know I've talked about it a bunch on the podcast. So I tried a bunch of games this week one was called deep rock galactic have you seen this game at all not seen any about it at all okay it's a co-op space dwarf mining combat game and sounds super weird it is weird but it was fun but it is very very early access so uh you're a space dwarf there's four classes 
and all of them have like some kind of mining, like a pickaxe thing, but then they all have different weapons and different loadouts, basically. Um, there's interesting mechanics around light. Like there's not always light. So you have flares that recharge over time and you can throw them. So you're basically trying to dig down into a cave system until you get enough of the mineral that you need. And you have this little mechanical spider crawly thing that follows you and you can like dump them in there. So it's essentially like your futuristic minecart. But as you're trying okay. to mine things, these aliens come out and attack you. And they're kind of bug aliens. They're kind of starship troopery. Um, so okay. there's there's like different traversal mechanics, too. So the one guy that I was playing mostly, he could like shoot a, not a grappling hook, but almost like a line, like a kind of grappling hook but then there would be like a mine card attached to it and you could ride it up or ride it down between big gaps or over big gaps and so yeah it was just doing cool things with like co-op doing cool things with like light as a mechanic doing interesting things with traversal and uh, mission objectives but it is extremely early access like the servers kept crashing my game kept crashing it was hard to get uh. into a game with people and get it launched so this is one that i played it for like an hour and a half and i was like oh i see the potential here but it is not here yet and then i returned it oh you returned it i returned it because i think that whenever it comes out for real i will reassess because it there's so much potential in that game but i can't recommend it right now just because it's so rough around the edges and it crashed so many times and the yeah. servers were it was just all of that kind of stuff where it's like okay this is very early days early access whereas some games come out and they're early access in quotation marks but the game is basically done this is not right. that kind of game and i'm looking at it on steam right now as you were telling about it and it looks in terms of graphics and the way that the caves and all of it it looks kind of like uh, oh what was the one that we i can't even remember the name of it now uh no man's sky I, I was thinking about it and then i forgot it looks like no man's sky and when while you're exploring the the caves and and underground stuff that is that's what this is reminiscent of because i was thinking of a steam world dig kind of 2d game when you were talking about space dwarves and for some reason it just it like the lost vikings and and steam no, world it's dig. a lot more like but no, it's, left for dead type of like co-op shooter is where we're okay. at it's just the mining is like your objective for the map but yeah it's right. it's much more in that left for dead vein of game than anything else okay that makes sense. Yeah. So I also played uh, a new iOS game that was actually worth my time. I'm always kind of playing iOS games in the background, but I don't mention them because a lot of them are like, I play it and I'm like, this is not good. So I just never mention mm. it. Um, it's called Part-Time UFO. And I think it might be on Android too. It's on iOS for sure. It is a HAL Laboratories game. So this is basically like as close as you can get to a Nintendo game without being a Nintendo game, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. And you play a little UFO, and it's essentially a claw game, which in Japan they call UFO catcher games, which is where the name comes uh, from. I'm so um, good at those. Are you? So you Oh, yeah. I, I can get like two things at one time. Like my friends in college at one point were like, hey, I bet you can't get us both a toy for this. I'm like... Yeah, so please. you should try this game and, because that's what it is. You are a little UFO and you get little mission objectives. So you have to like go and do work to make money. So one of the very first levels is like a bunch of oranges and orange crates spilled out of somebody's truck. So you have to go and pick them up with your claw and put them back on. And it starts <laughs> very simple. And then over time, it gets more and more complicated. Like there was a level later on where you have to stack cheerleaders up and get them above a certain height. So you basically have to <laughs> build a cheerleader pyramid tower. But you have this like UFO claw control 
controls, which are not good. It's kind of well, it's not that they're not good. It's just that it's that claw game mechanic where it feels like a claw game, right? You don't have perfect yeah. one-to-one. It's kind of like there's some uh, in there, uh-huh. um, but that's what makes it fun. So it was worth mentioning just because, hey, it's a cool iOS game. If you're looking for a new mobile game, grab Part-Time UFO. Gets my recommendation easily. I played the Kirby Star Allies demo on Switch, and my daughter really liked it, so I'll get it for her because she loves Kirby. But it's a Kirby yeah. game. I mean, the the new gimmick is that you can recruit the enemies, and they, you can have three of them with you, so you can have four people all together, like, fighting things. So it's about allies, obviously. But yeah. beyond that, I don't know. It's a Kirby game. There's not much to say I, about it. I'm really excited because I love Kirby games, too. Like, not as much as she does, but I've been really waiting on this game. This was one of the only ones in the announcement that they, that they did earlier this year where I was very excited. So I I didn't know there was a demo out until now, so I'm so going to go download it and play it. Yep. Um, I did, so Fortnite, I did the PvE mode finally, which is called Save okay. the World instead of Battle Royale. And uh, there's a story there. There's a story about the storm. It, it feels like the gameplay feels kind of like Orcs Must Die in a way. Mm. It's, it's better. It has guns instead of Orcs Must Die things. Um, it has full base building instead of like being locked in little quarters like that game does. Um, and there's a lot of good approaches instead of like Orcs Must Die. I always felt like there was one way to solve the puzzle and anything else was suboptimal. This feels yeah. like there's really a lot of approaches because there's a lot more freedom. And there's some cool things in it. Like you get a persistent base that lasts over time that you keep revisiting and you can keep adding on to and improving so that's really cool but in the end it's basically a zombie horde mode of a game and it's just i don't know it's kind of meh like it's not great Mm. i I put money into it to get it early which if you just wait it's going to be free to play sometime this year but i was enjoying battle royale so much that i threw them a little money because it's one of those things where i just wanted to support the developer i was like if i'm going to throw them a little money i might as well see what this other mode is too and you know it's it's a mode that has loot boxes. Um, you could tell there's a bunch of time huh. and resources into this game. Like there's cutscenes, there's voice acting, there's like actual really good production values in there. But overall, it feels kind of messy. It feels kind of unfocused. Like it doesn't know what it wants to be. And it's a lot of a like it's little bits of a lot of different things. And there's too many systems in a really bad way. And the, the loot boxes tie into that. Like you can unlock weapons, but you can also unlock weapon blueprints and you can also unlock trap blueprints, but you can also unlock people and you can unlock like, I don't know. There's so many like not conflicting systems, but interlocking systems, but in a way that feels messy, not interesting where, you know, if a system is complicated and interesting, I'm all about it. This one feels unfocused. So I don't know. I, I guess in the end, I see why Battle Royale took off, and this one didn't. And I just, I wonder what will happen when they finally launch this, like when it's fully launched for free as like out of early access, because maybe they'll put this one out to pasture and then they'll focus all of their effort on Battle Royale, which at this point, that's what I want them to do because I like that mode a lot. The other thing to mention is this one is blatantly built for loot boxes. And I don't think I've mentioned that Battle Royale doesn't have loot boxes, which I think is fantastic. Like, I like that so much better. It's a nice change of pace. But anyway, all of that to say, I finally tried uh, Save the World PvE in Fortnite and found it kind of lacking. So don't put your money into it, basically. Yeah, and I mean, I didn't know. I thought it was free already because whenever I had Fortnite downloaded, I saw it on the menu and never even bothered clicking it. I only played Battle Royale. And yeah. it's funny because I like loot boxes in terms of like how Overwatch handles them as opposed to like Battlefront 2. 
And I really, really uh, okay. But do you Fortnite have? BR. Do you get the mini loot box for the day, or did you get the daily loot box, or did you get the login loot box, or did you get the one with the special currency that only lasts for this quarter, or do you have the one that's like a special reward that's a bonus loot? Like, there's four different kinds of loot boxes in this game for no apparent reason. In the PVE version, yes. Oh, yeah. good night. That is that is dumb because I like it, just one loot so box messy. that is pure cosmetic. No, and this is. All of them are gameplay based. None of them are cosmetic. And it's just they're yeah, they're all over the place. That's why I don't like Battlefront 2s is because they're uh, they're gameplay based that I love being able to be like, oh, cool. I got this new awesome skin or this new spray or emote like I have finger guns on Tracer now. That's awesome. And I don't have to worry about upgrading my weapons and things like that that you were talking about. So, yeah, I can totally see how that's that's meh and i could i was amazed that the battle royale didn't have loot boxes because part of it was the uh that turned me off of it outside i mean i don't like fortnite uh, battle royale but i wanted some sort of progression and loot boxes at least would do that where when you gain up that's the reason i care about overwatch stuff is like i gain a level i get a loot box and that's it like i don't care about anything else like okay cool what skin do i get where in Battle Royale, it wasn't even getting that that small dopamine hit. And that's how I feel with the challenges that I talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Like, last night, I beat a bunch of challenges. I locked a bunch, unlocked levels and medals that got me a bunch of new tiers. So, like, yeah. I got a couple new cool cosmetic things. I got this new, um, so you have trails behind you when you're skydiving at the beginning, when you drop out of the yep. bus. And I got an awesome new one that has, like, blue stars flying out of my hands and feet. <laughs> I'm like, okay, sweet. Like, that's how I feel. That little dopamine hit of like, hey, I played a bunch. I did some challenges and now I unlocked new cosmetic gear. It's there. It's just not loot box based. It's uh, challenge based. Okay. Yeah. Like, I, I can totally see that with, with that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I like that a lot. Um, I played the Yakuza 6 demo and demo here in air quotes because they messed up when they released this game and they released the full game instead of locking it off. So I didn't know this, but I sat down to play it and... I played like three hours, three and a half hours of this game. I was somewhere into chapter three when I put it down for the night. And then I came back the next day and I found out that you were only supposed to be able to play halfway through chapter one. And Uh Sega just messed up with their demo. Um, So when I came back to it the next day, my demo was on my like dashboard, but it was locked. I was like, that's weird. Uh. So I looked it up and they were like, yep, they locked the demos because it's not actually a demo. The real demo will be out later. But... Because I played like three and a half hours of this game, I actually kind of got invested in it, and now I'm interested. Whereas if they had awesome. cut me off partway through chapter one, I would not have cared. Okay. So it, it actually worked in their favor for me, but I can see why they wouldn't want to give everyone full access to the full game. Yeah. I mean, there's a difference in giving like a full access weekend as opposed to unlocking a game by accident. Where if you if there's something persistent about it, whenever they do like the there was the Doom weekend, I know, and then there's the uh, like they do Overwatch weekends and MMO weekends. But I could totally see that the Yakuza games would uh, would not be a, a good just unlock this for everybody. Well, and I so okay, I want to talk about it because I bounced off of Yakuza Zero, which everybody said was the best way to get onboarded into the series. And right. I played like half an hour of that game and I was like skipping cutscenes because I didn't care and I was bored. And this time I just kind of took the game as it was because I was in a mood where I was like, whatever, I'm going to try this. A lot of people like it. it. It seems like there could be something here for me. So I kind of played it as intended. I watched every cutscene and I didn't have the context of the previous five games in the series or six games because mm-hmm. I guess zero counts. And 
that almost made it better because I was trying to figure out what was going on as they were unveiling new things. And it felt like there was a lot of history there. And in the end, the first few hours, there's not a ton of gameplay, which ties back to our main topic, but it's more of like a, a tone piece to start a little bit. And then it gets into like a, a, drama it's like almost like a korean drama where there's like a lot going on of interconnected personal relationships and stuff to the point where i was like oh i see what they're doing this is like a soap opera this is not a traditional video game story you need to go into this thinking okay i need to play this to establish the tone and then i need to get into the personal relationships and it's an interpersonal soap opera drama and by the time I got to like hour three, I was like, okay, I'm in this. This is weird and it's really weird, but it's interesting weird. And then okay. I got cut off from it. So what I ended up doing was I went and I pre-ordered the pack that gave me this game when it comes out sometime next month. And it also gives you a copy of Yakuza Zero for like 10 bucks. So oh. I'm going to go back and I'm going to try Zero again from the beginning. Now that I actually understand what this series is kind of trying to get at. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. It does. And I mean, I played the first one when it was on like PS2 or Dreamcast or something like that. I don't remember which one it was. And I liked it well enough that back in when it was a new series, I haven't played any of the newer ones that came out, but I really, really did like the first one. I always thought it was some kind of like a brawler. And I think that's what I was going in expecting when I tried Zero. But I I might just turn the difficulty all the way down and play it as mm. an open world soap opera and just see what yeah. I think of it. So that's my plan. I haven't done that yet, but I will. And I will report back. The other game that I really want to talk about was Into the Breach, which did you ever look it up after I mentioned it to you? Yes, I did. It looks okay. really cool. So this is what I played the most this week. Um, it's by the FTL guys. It's the same developer. And it's basically giant mech time traveling turn based strategy against bugs. That's... Mm-hmm. That's the best way to summarize it, I suppose. Um, so there's more persistence and unlocks than there were in FTL, which was one of the things I didn't like about that core loop. So this one, whenever... So you're defending the power grid, right? And every building is connected to the power grid, and every special like building is connected to the power grid. And every turn... Um, bugs come up from the ground and you have to you don't have to defeat them that's the thing it's not a turn-based strategy where you have to wipe out the enemy it's a turn-based strategy where you have to make it so the grid survives until the turns are up uh most maps are only like six turns or less some of them are like four turns or three turns and you a lot of it is about positioning it feels a lot more like chess in some ways than it does a typical turn-based strategy because you can have entire mech teams you have three mechs on your team but there are different teams some of the entire teams are about like pushing guys and moving guys and pulling guys and knocking them away so it doesn't become about defeating them it becomes about making it so they don't defeat your buildings which is a really interesting dynamic and yeah, it is yeah it's it's just it's fascinating because once you get your mind around it, like every party of three controls very differently. There's a couple that are more like straight up attack them. So you can treat it kind of like a traditional turn-based strategy, but there are a bunch that are like literally just push and pull and move. And you can do some things you can do where um, you can like knock them off an edge or knock them into the water. That'll defeat them. Um, That doesn't always work, but it's, it's an option to add strategy. And one of the things that's, like the core mechanic of this game is that they telegraph their attacks one turn ahead. So 
the enemy takes their turn and they move and then okay. they have targets right so it'll be like okay this flying guy is going to attack that building this running guy came up and locked down one of my mechs with a web and is going to attack my mech and so on your okay. turn you have an entire turn to react to whatever they're going to do so that's why you can push them and pull them out of the way so if you know you have an attack that can knock somebody one space and you hit the guy that's about to attack a building you can just push him out of the way and then he'll attack an empty space next turn you know what i mean or like your mech that's locked down in a web you could use like a grappling hook to like pull him out of that web you don't actually have to directly engage with the enemy as long as you can avoid them and move them out of the way so they don't do damage Um, so yeah some of them are more straightforward and you're fighting but some of them are like chess you know with interesting chess pieces and every group of three feels like a completely different puzzle that you're solving um right and i i really like the loop of unlocking these different mech squads so there's a random button if you want random mechs but really the squads are kind of the core of the game and when you go through and you play through with a squad you unlock achievements or medals or whatever they call them and you can go back and spend those to unlock more squads And what happens is when your power grid finally does reach zero, your mechs abandon ship and they go back to the beginning of the timeline. And they like they basically say, I'm going to go to a different timeline and you can carry one of your mech pilots between games. So, okay, there's a level of persistence there where you could like max somebody out and then bring them back into the next game and start with a max level pilot that has a bunch of special abilities. Yeah, I don't know. It's just I like it a lot. I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I guess I recommend it to anybody who liked FTL or anybody who likes turn-based strategy, or probably anybody who likes mech combat either. I think all three of those are good recommendations. It's not that much money either. I think it's like 15 bucks. So It's $14.99 on Steam. I'm likely to pick it up because after watching some videos of it, it looks like almost like Advance Wars, but as a roguelike uh, kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's it, quick. It, I mean, the other thing is you can play through, like, so there's islands, right? There's four islands. If you defend two islands, then any time after that, you can trigger the final battle. So I had a couple runs where I defeated two islands or defended two islands, and then I went on to the final battle, and the whole run took me like half an hour. So it's quick. Oh, okay. That's the other thing is that you can rapidly iterate through it. So like if you mess up, it's not a big deal because you can just start another run at it. Um, but it does have a, a little bit of that roguelike, you know, like, okay, this run didn't go well. Let's try again. Um, but with more persistence, which I like a lot. But yeah, I I think you might like this. I don't know. I can't give it a rousing endorsement for you because I know you're kind of hit and miss with turn-based strategies sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I would be very interested to see what you think of this one. Yeah, and I absolutely do love turn-based strategy when it's done right. It was just stuff like Mario plus Rabbids just didn't hit it right for me. It didn't have that right feel. So uh, when it's done right, it's absolutely one of my favorite genres in that in gaming. Yeah, so I loved Into the Breach, and like I said, even though I talked about a lot of things I tried this week, Into the Breach was probably what took like 90% of my gaming time because I was just having so much fun of it. Cool. Yeah, I think that's it for this week. We'll be back next week. Uh, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We have longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And if you're not a Redditor, you can go find us on Slack as well. You can get an invite at slack.geek2geekcast.com. And we're also part of a podcast network, like we mentioned. So head over to geek2geekcast.com to see all of our shows. I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at 
at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's Beej with the two E's that I stole from him. And you can find me online at RunningShoes.tv. We've been Void and Beej with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Pew, 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 finger gun. Comics. Hey everyone, Rob here, your friendly neighborhood comic geek, inviting you to join me and my rotating cast of co-hosts each week on The Comic Box, where we tell you everything you need to know to become a world-class comic book geek. So join us for The Comic Box, each week, right here on the geek to geek Podcast Network. Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice and download our podcast today. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek.